Hello, friends, and welcome to the Coastline Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message will equip, encourage, and edify you in your journey of life. We'd love to connect with you. Please email us at info at coastlinecc.org. And for more information about our church and our services, visit coastlinecc.org. Now let's open our hearts and open God's Word. Let's go in our Bibles. We'll continue our study in the book of John, and we're coming to a close in uh, this study. It's uh, been like a nine-month study going through the book of John, but it's one of my, and when Don first started the, the study on the book of John, I told him this is probably my favorite, it's my favorite gospel and probably my favorite book. Um, so John chapter number 17, if you would. So just to give you some context of where we are in the gospel of John. So we've come out of Jesus's uh, miracles in his ministry. We're past that point in the book of John where in the point where he's preparing his disciples for his betrayal, his crucifixion, and his resurrection. All prophesied, they told him, um, uh, the disciples asked, why are you telling us this in, um, why are you telling us this in Proverbs and parables? And speak plainly to us, he does that. And then as he wraps up that and prepares them for what happens in John chapter number 18, which is Judas' betrayal, as the loving leader that Jesus is and the servant leader that he is, he starts to pray. Before his prayer, he gives him instructions on how to pray, and then he gets into his prayer. And he prays in the first part of the chapter of uh, John, chapter number 17, uh, priestly prayer, talking about what he's done for us, what he's going to do, the, his holiness and glorification that is happening from Christ, or um, through Christ from heaven. Um, then we, he prays for the disciples, and he prays for the disciples in the world, um, how he was sent to the world, and he sanctified himself, and now we need to be sanctified through the truth. And then at the close of the chapter, he talks about future glory, and that's where we'll pick up our reading. In John chapter number 17, verse number 22, the Bible says, And the glory which thou hast given me, I given unto them, that they may be one, even as we are one. And this is... Um, of course, she's talking to God the Father. I in them, and thou in me, and they may be made perfect in one, that the world may not know that thou hast sent, or that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast sent, hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that thou also, whom thou hast given me, be with where I am. And this is Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world, which we know that calls back to the book of. Uh, Isaiah, where he calls Jesus Christ the Lamb slain before the foundation. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. This is where we'll draw the most of our sermon, this last phrase of verse number 26. It says, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. Let's pray and start here. Father, Lord, thank you for this day. Again, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to gather in your name, to worship you, Lord. We thank you that you are a God worthy of all worship we could ever breathe, bring, of every breath we could ever breathe, Lord. I pray that you be with us, Lord, meet in our midst tonight, Lord. I pray that you administer to hearts um, this morning um, as we bring this sermon on your love, Lord. I pray that you would work it in my heart, Lord. Give me the words to say in your name. Amen. So when we begin to talk about the love of the Father, know that there is not words that can accurately describe 
the love that God loves us with. The, God with. the love that God has loved the Son with. There's not words that can describe it. If we were to take time to break down God's love, we would have a series of sermons that would last months and even years. Because from the opening chapter of the book of Genesis to the ending chapter of Revelation, the entire Bible summed up is God's love. If there was any way we could accurately describe what the Bible is, it is his love letter to his church. It is a love letter to his nation, to his people. So when we go in and we look at the very life of Christ, one that is only lived because of the Father's love, we must understand that God must love us very much. The first thing that we need to recognize in order to recognize the Father's love in us is we must have a knowledge of the Father. We cannot be blind to who he is and know his love. And we also cannot be aware of who he is without experiencing and knowing his love. We are introduced to the Father's love by knowing him. We cannot be aware of it in any other way. How can we love a God we don't know? How can we uh, love, um, live a love in our lives that we haven't experienced? So God, I, I find it so powerful here that Jesus comes, he, he knows what's coming next. And that what he leaves us with to remember, to live in us, is love. We have to understand what the disciples were about to go through to really understand what Jesus is setting up here. The disciples are about to go through their darkest days. We get into Judas' betrayal, someone they thought they could trust, they've been with, they work with. And what does Jesus leave them with? His love in us. The Father's love in us. So what is this enduring truth? It's not love on us, it's not love towards us, it's love in us. Christ's death was not so God could love us, but because God loved us. Remember when we read from John chapter number 3 and verse number 16 that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. When we talk about God's love, know that it's not something that just is towards us, but it's in us. It's something that is tied into our very being. The reason we exist and the reason we can draw breath today is because of his love. And that should be a dominating truth in our life. Because there are a lot of times, because of the evilness of sin, because of the wickedness of the flesh, we are really beat up into feeling like we're not worthy of love. I know we've all been there on dark days, on times we've messed up, and days we fail when we face the consequences of our sins. We feel totally unlovable. But know in that moment, is when Jesus shed his love the most towards us. In Romans chapter number 5, verse number 8, the Bible says that in while we were yet sinners, God commended or proved his love towards us. So we understand that this, the knowledge of his love comes only, through, or the awareness of his love can only come through knowledge of him. Then we, Christ wants his love in us, not just on us. Our minds in the old servants will lie and convince us we are worthless and totally unlovable. But the Father's love is in us, and it was in, as it was in Jesus. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Spurgeon said of this problem that we run into, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be known in them. That's John 26. Oh, wonders of wonders. I feel more inclined to sit down and meditate upon it than to stand up and talk about it. The love wherewith, the lo the wherewith he loved his son 
Such is a love to all his chosen ones. Can you believe it? That thou should be an object of God's delight, even as Christ is, because you are in Christ. That you should be made the object of the Father's love as truly as Christ is, because he sees you to be a part of a parcel of a mystical body of his well-beloved Son. Do not tell me that God the Father does not love you as well as he does Christ. The point can be settled by the grandest matter of fact that ever was. When there was a choice between Christ and his people, which should die of the two, the Father freely delivered up his own Son that we might live through him. Oh, what a meeting there must have been out of the seas of love that day when God's greatest love to us came rolling in like a glorious springtide and his love to his son came rolling in at the same time. If, thou had, if they had met and come into collision, we can't imagine the result. But when they both took to the rolling together in a mighty torrent, what a stream of love was there. The Lord Jesus sank that we might swim. He sank that we might rise. And we, now we are born onward forever by the mighty sweep of infinite love into an everlasting blessedness which tongues and lips can never set forth. Oh, be ravished with this. Be carried away with it. Be in ecstasy at, the, at love so amazing, so divine. The Father loves you even as he loves the Son, after the same manner and the sort he loveth all his redeemed. The Father's love in us is a, motivates us to love Jesus more, reflecting as a moon in our hearts. It should be the love of the Father. The, the powerful and the most wonderful thing that we could ever want is to be loved. And God loves us with a love that gives up the best for the least. And this is what motivates us in this Christian life. This love of God. This love from God. From his son. And then him in us. So Christ, not only at the end of our, our text here, it says that, thou love, uh, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them and I in them. What does that mean? I in them. This is Christ living in us. So this love not only changes our outcome, but it should change what we're doing. It's what motivates us to live holy and live in service. Why should I continue in sanctification? Because God loves me and he is in me and Jesus is in me. The, the, motiv the motivation to live a better life and to live a more Christ-like life is this love in us. And then it should also be our motivation for service. God's love, we should be avenues of God's love, not a cul-de-sac. We shouldn't be collecting a bastion of his love just for our own sakes, but something that moves that on. The Bible commands us to have faith, but love more. Love others the way God loves them. And how does God love them? Like I said, this is a love that gives up what's best for what's least. What should motivate us and to deal with the situations and the outcomes of life that are so hard and so unjust is a love that can sign up for that. Think about what Jesus is, what he's about to go through. He's about to be betrayed by one of the, his own disciples. He's about to be hung and crucified in a way that would mar his body where it wouldn't be recognized as Jesus. And that's a love that signed up for that. So you think about the situations we run into in life and we feel so, um, we feel like injustice, or injustice is betray betrayed upon us constantly. We feel situations are unfair all the time. We feel like this and that isn't how it should be. And we feel like life is out of control. 
Be motivated by the love that God has for his son that should be in us and Jesus in us that knows that all this is for his glory. I should be motivated by the love of Christ in me to love others the way he loved me. Think about it. If God loved his son so much, he gave his son for us, then can't I love someone that slightly wrongs me a little bit better? Can't I deal with frustrations and disappointments just a little bit longer with that love? That's the power of this love. So I said we couldn't really wrap into everything what this love does, but it motivates us to be more like Christ. If we're more like Christ, we can demonstrate this love to the world. Because that's who needs it. But this is the last thing Christ says to his disciples before his crucifixion. The very next thing he gives them is the Great Commission. Go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. So first he leaves us in love and then he leaves us in service. Before we can serve others and serve God the way we ought to, we need to dwell in his love and his love in us in him in us. Without both those things, we're, we're working again with filthy rags, right? When we go to, to Christ in our own righteousness and show the works that we've done, they're filthy rags. But when we show what God has done in us and through us to others, that's when we fulfill the great mission. Thank you again for listening to the Coastline Baptist Church Podcast. We hope the message was an encouragement to your heart please connect with us through our website, coastlinecc.org, or on Facebook or Instagram. Send us a message, send us an email, and we'd love to connect with you. We'd also love if you could visit us for a Sunday morning service. You can find our address on our website, and our services start at 10 a.m. Our mission at Coastline is simply this, to know Jesus deeply and to show Jesus daily. I hope that we've helped you do that in your life today. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.